Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. There are those of you that know my guest and those of you that will now know Jill. There are also people who like Jill, her followers, and there are those who try to turn a deaf ear. Let's call them the haters. For about 18 years or so, Jill was a quota-carrying sales rep, and she launched herself into the whole cloud software business uh, at Salesforce in the very early years, and then she moved to Eloqua in 2002. And she is now an advisor to the Marketo leadership team and also investor and advisor to several leading MarTech companies. What I want to share with you is, how did I meet Jill? Um, for those of you who don't know, Jill was my Eloqua sales rep in 2002, 16 years ago, back when I ran marketing at Ellie Mae. And if it wasn't for Jill, I really don't know where my journey into MarTech would have officially started. And I consider her one of the best salespeople I have ever met and partnered with. When Jill was at Eloqua, she was crowned the Eloqueen for her constant enterprise sales success because she would crush her numbers year after year. And Marketo enterprise sales reps would literally fear Jill when they found out that she was selling against them. And she would win client after client, almost never losing a deal to any of her competition. And then 2013 came and Oracle acquired Eloqua. And shortly after, they fired Jill for essentially calling out the president, Mr. Mark Hurd, for his lack of social presence and savvy. And her tweet about Mark saying in so many words that, hey, it's about time, Mark. Welcome to Twitter. Well, that didn't go over very well with the Oracle leadership. And Jill was fired almost on the spot. And for most people, you know, getting fired might have been a devastating blow. But for Jill, for any top salesperson, rejection slides off her shoulders, and she dismissed it you know, simply thinking they don't understand the value that she provides. She turned really getting fired into a PR superstorm and spent the next several years teaching sales teams around the world social selling strategies and methods. So with that backstory, it may come as no surprise that Jill recently was recruited by Marketo's CEO, Steve Lucas, who I've also had on the program, to be a member of the Marketo executive team, and she is their new chief growth officer. So whether you like Jill or not, she has 40,000 followers on Twitter and 210,000 followers on LinkedIn, and they tune in to what Jill has to say and to what she has to share daily. So please welcome to the program the master of social selling, Jill Rowley. Dave Lewis, thanks for having me on the show, and I just hope that I can live up to the expectations that you set. You'll come away either loving me or hating me, and I'm okay with either. You are you are okay either way. Thank you for joining me, Jill. I mean, we have had a great friendship and a great partnership, and you know what? We've never done anything like this before, so this is going to be fun. Long overdue. So you did social selling way before it was even a term. I think you coined the phrase, hashtag social selling, started a company around it. What was social selling back in the day for you compared to what it is now? I mean, is there a difference between what you were doing when you were a quota-carrying salesperson to what you do today? 
Um, let's start there. Great question to start with. And I would say it is not that different in terms of the mindset. Um, and that's where social selling really starts. The, the mindset of really being where your buyers are and being visible to your buyers, being valuable to them, where they're spending their time. And I, I just think I was fortunate probably, and one of the reasons why I embraced this as a concept early on was because my buyers were marketers and who owned social presence for a brand, for a company, the marketing team. They were my customers. So as part of their responsibility of owning social, I learned about that channel and marketers were one of the early folks who were actually using the channels. So um, I think the, the concepts of being where your customers are, doing research on your customers, wherever you can get that information, and increasingly more today, you can get that in digital and social, mm -hmm. um, being relevant to your customers. I don't think any of those concepts have changed from when I was a quota carrying sales rep in the, you know, 2009, 10 timeframe when social media was actually just becoming popular. When, when did you figure out that I should start using tools other than email to engage with folks? So, you know, I, I always say I'm a sales professional trapped in a marketer's body. Mm -hmm. And if you ask anyone on the Eloqua marketing team that was there when I was there, they will tell you that I was always getting in their business. Um, I was always, you know, giving them feedback or suggestions or ideas or maybe sometimes being critical. Um, I, I, I would really read all of this best practice and thought leadership. I would read analyst reports um, about the things that my customers cared about and social media was one of them. And so I just naturally started to leverage the, the tools and the channels that my customers were using. I would say from a, you know, a LinkedIn perspective, I was in the first million members. They did a campaign um, and, and gave you your member number. This was not that long ago. And I was in the first million members. Um, and, and I didn't ever see LinkedIn as my online resume. I always saw it as, um, at least initially, I saw it as a database. I, I literally, a searchable database where I could find my buyers. Yep. So in the beginning, when you know, I got into sales, the way that you would find names of, of people would be through the company website. But on the company website, you only ever had the senior leadership team or the board members or the investors. It didn't go any you know, layers deeper than that. And these were early days back in 2000s when websites were just online corporate brochures. So I was always like, okay, so where else can I find the people, the names of the people who um, I need to be speaking with? Um, from the very early days of, you know, out of office email responders, there would be, I'm, you know, I'm out of the office on vacation. If you have questions about quoting, contact Mary. If you have questions about um, uh, proposals, contact Bob. If you have questions about, and so I would always look at those out of office email responders and I would then put those additional names into the CRM system, I would um, figure out the email naming convention, and then I would 
um, start to email Mary and Bob about, you know, this was back in the Salesforce days about Salesforce yep. automation and why having a browser-based solution was better than having an on-premise client server solution. So I, I've, I've always got, I've always understood the concept of um, data, database, contacts, um, uh, the water cooler effect of multiple people. Um, I, I was actually using Eloqua as a sales rep at Salesforce. This is before marketing and sales ruined email as a channel, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you think about back then, not every marketer had everybody's email address right. and not every marketer had the ability to email everybody in mass. Yeah. Fast forward to now every salesperson essentially has access to everybody's email address and the ability to automate a sequence series cadence of emails to everybody. Now, nobody likes email unless it is relevant and personalized. And you are you are the queen of that for sure, making it relevant. And that's in any channel. Yeah. The other thing you do, and and you know we know each other extremely well. I don't consider you the most, let's say, organized person in the world, right? You you would never take a career in, let's say, project management. However, hell no. Yeah, you are so wired in terms of doing research on your buyer before you ever engage with them. You really have a discipline of like, I'm gonna learn everything about this company, you read their financial statements, you learn about who your target buyer is, you understand who's in their network, you leverage that network. The amount of prescription you put into your engagement process is, is unheard of, which almost leads me to the question like, so Jill, this has been around for a while, social selling, why doesn't everybody do this? You know, so many companies are afraid of sharing their recipes. You are not afraid. People hire you, pay you to share your recipes for doing this. But why don't people just do it? They, these tools have been around for a while. Um, so those those channels and those those areas of research that you mentioned, um, I, those are everybody should know that and do that. I actually go deeper, right? So an example would be we have an opportunity with a company called 3M. And I'm sure everybody's heard of 3M. They're massively huge. And our head of enterprise sales reached out to me, said the rep would, you know, could use some help on 3M. So what I do is I go and I find out, okay, who's the CMO of 3M? And then I go to that CMO's LinkedIn profile and I scour it. And I find a link to a article on CMO.com with quotes from uh, like 26 plus CMOs. And of course the 3M CMO is quoted and I then read the quote and I figure out, okay, what does this CMO care about? And he quoted, uh, CMOs need technology strategies that push beyond getting clicks and likes. 2017 will be all about putting our customers first, anticipating their needs, mm -hmm. and delivering on our promises. So then I'm like, okay, that's interesting. He puts that out there. He's likely been quoted somewhere else, or he's done a podcast, or uh, a video interview, or so then I go searching the web for anything I can find on Paul Aceto. And so then I find actually a pretty long Q&A 
about his perspective on growth and marketing. And in that, he says, our sales and marketing automation platforms are single instance, enterprise-wide global platforms that deliver not only improved insights, but greater standardization and control at a reduced overall cost. I then use his words to then connect with him. Mm. So I am going to a much deeper level of knowing my buyer than pretty much anybody else that I've come across without a doubt. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's just part of my, my process. I was on a call today with one of our enterprise reps and she brought her list of accounts and okay, well, what are we supposed to do with a list of accounts? And it's what research have you done to find interesting Juniper Networks, an example, another Elifa customer that should be on Marketo if they weren't, you know, like they should totally migrate to the Marketo platform. Okay, why? Well, they're actually pretty innovative and they, they're focused on aligning sales and marketing and they're, um, they're, they're in, in, in an ABM uh, moving away from just demand into ABM. So they like, okay, so, so, let me go do some research on Juniper. Well, Juniper won a 2017 uh, Marquee Award yeah. from Eloqua. Ooh, wait, they're a Marquee Award winner. Do you think like they're doing well on the platform? I'm wondering if they're actually a good fit to swap. I don't know. So, and then I can actually see, well, what award did they win? What are they, what are they excellent at? So it's that level of research that, I don't see enough salespeople doing before they try to, you know, make a connection. You know what it reminds me of is, um, I think it was on FX, and I apologize to everyone if I'm getting that wrong, but there have been a series of specials, and each season they focus on a different uh, killer. And the very first season was uh, the finding of the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. And if you haven't watched this, Joe, because maybe this could work into one of your next keynotes or talks, the FBI profiler who went after Ted Kaczynski basically did what you did. You know, he looked at all of the, you know, what they had on Kaczynski was his writings, what he was submitting, what the Unabomber was was providing, uh, and they had the manifesto. So they had, ex you know, pages and pages of what he wrote to figure out who this profile is. Who is this person? What makes them tick? What are they into? Where did they go to the university? What's what sent him down this path? And he was the, you know, the FBI profiler who actually turned linguistics into a justification for getting a search warrant. Uh, it's an incredible story. I think the one after that was the um, the uh, murder of Gianni uh, Versace. And so uh, if you go back on it, just as you were describing, I was seeing him on the wall put the pictures up and put all this different connective content uh, and they, they eventually caught him that way. And so you're, you're trying to find this buyer and make a connection with them. It's fascinating that, that you're wired that way. You said something earlier, and we've got a lot of people who listen to Demand Gen Radio on the sales side, and you said, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of a pain in the butt, right? Like my, I remember Keith, former managers of yours, saying, Jill's one of the highest maintenance uh, sales reps I've ever had. Because you do get in their face, and you are that you know marketer trapped in a salesperson's body. But I've never met 
a high performance salesperson who isn't leaning in as, as you do. And for some re- for some people, that's uh, intimidating and challenging, and yet the results are always there in in what you do. Um, when you go out and talk about social selling, what are some of the things that you do prescribe to to people in terms of what to do? Because it's you're wired that way to do it, and you've mastered the craft. How do you teach people some of the the basic things that they should be doing? Yeah, so there's there's teaching people, and then there's helping organizations. And at an individual level, I really think that there are four key things that sellers, sales consultants subject matter experts really need to focus on. Um, One is their online presence, right? Their digital presence. How do they show up? How um, do they articulate and describe uh, their, their capabilities, their experience, their expertise, their passion, right? We, we have choices now of, of who we spend our time with, who we invest our time with, And as a buyer, I'm more likely to invest my time with someone who shows me that they know me, shows me that they can help me and, and, and cares about something other than, you know, crushing their quota. So your digital presence in, in whatever networks where your buyers are. Um, I, I primarily work with companies where uh, their buyers are on LinkedIn and Twitter. So those are my two primary core focus areas. Um, so you have to look good and, 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 and smart and helpful in those networks. So that's one. Number two, I have this philosophy of ABC always be connecting, not necessarily with everyone, but having a habit, a disciplined habit of always connecting uh, with folks who you meet or want to meet. Um, I'll give you an example of uh, on the plane coming back from Boston this week. I met a gentleman. We had a great conversation. He's at Raytheon. He's actually in their um, intelligence division. So he works for the Department of Defense on um, cyber. And it was the stories he told me were fascinating. Uh, nothing confidential or classified. Um <laughs> But, you know, talk about that, that whole uh, bombing thing and doing that research. But um, so he was, we were talking, he gave me a business card. I said, I promise we'll connect on LinkedIn. I go to look at him on LinkedIn and we have four common connections. And one of them is this guy, Andrew Ettinger, mm-hmm. who runs sales at Pivotal. Pivotal is a customer of mine. They're a customer of mine as Jill Rowley Social Selling and owner of uh, Investor in Sales for Life, and they're a customer of mine at Marketo. And I've gotten to know these guys over the past like four years, in fact. And I recently spoke at their field kickoff in San Diego. And so then when I, you know, send a note about connecting, I'm like, I see you're connected to Andrew Ettinger. How do you know Andrew? And he then went on to say that they're a pivotal customer. And so then I go to Andrew. I'm like, I met Raytheon, a, a customer of yours. And, and it just, it just, for me, it's the world is really large in terms of there are 7 billion plus people who live in our world, but the, the, the smaller you can make it and the more dots you can connect, um, the, more, the more valuable you become and valuable you become to others, uh, which is all another like mindset of social selling is, is how can I help people? 
Um, that's where we get to the third pillar, which is content. Mm-hmm. I say content is the currency of the social salesperson, and I teach salespeople how to read what their buyers read. Mm-hmm. So if I'm selling into marketing, I need to read publications that marketers read because yeah. I need to understand their world. So read that content, share that content. Also, your marketing, it, my marketing buyers are putting content out on the web. How about I share their content? How about I engage and comment on their content? Now that's going to get their attention because it's not my content. It's their content. They care about their content. So content. And then four is really how do you set up these systems, these networks? How do you leverage additional technologies to do better listening, better listening to your customers, your future customers, and the, just the whole, the, the whole ecosystem in which you operate. Um, so how do I set up Twitter that anytime uh, the CMO of uh, LinkedIn sends a tweet, anytime uh, the CMO of Dell sends a tweet, those are key accounts that we want to you know, win at Marketo. And so anytime the CMO is sharing something on Twitter, I want to know that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's listening, listening, learning, engaging where your customers are. And do you have any social tools that you're using besides Twitter to, to put those listening agents out and, and, and help you with your posting and that type of stuff? So I don't have, I personally don't use any content curation or content sharing platforms. They exist. Mm-hmm. And I think for people where this isn't um, like air, you know, I just like breathing. Like this is just, I am wired this way. And nobody trained me on how to be this way. I never took a class on social selling and learned how to do any of this. I am literally wired this way. There are great tools that help people who aren't wired this way and need to create new behaviors and routines and habits. There are great tools, uh, even in the Marketo ecosystem, Octopus is one that comes to mind um, where it's a platform that really is driven by marketing. Marketing loads it with the content and, and gets it set up so that you can listen to certain topics. It makes it really easy for salespeople to share that curated content. And the benefit of using a platform like Octopus is that um, tracking, right? So being able to track that activity at a rep level so that we're going beyond tracking just calls and emails, calls and emails, calls and emails, that we're tracking social and digital um, activities um, and engagement, right? You're able to see which pieces of content um, are used most frequently, which reps right. um, are getting the highest level of engagement. Mm-hmm. So there, there are tools. Um, I'll use things like Nudge for me personally to see relationship strength, um, which is a you know an awesome tool that helps you understand um, who has relationships and how strong are those relationships. Um, but a lot of what I do is is pretty brute force manual these days. 
So let me ask you a personal question because you, you and I are, of course, very driven. And I think if we could take a pill and not sleep, we would probably do that. Um, at least I would. I, I wake up every morning early. And uh, after I settle in with a cup of coffee and, and map out my day, I do get on LinkedIn. And I do my reading and research first. So I first you know, take a look at what I need to catch up on and what people in my network, both uh, companies and individuals, are saying and sharing. And then I'll do my outreach and follow up and use it as a, as a platform, both on the messaging side and, and connecting. Um, question I have for you is, because I know how driven you are, have you... You know, what, what would you say to folks that maybe struggle with the balance of turn on and turn off? You know, I don't think, for example, your workday starts and stops. You know, life is a, is a fluid set of experiences as I've come to, to know you. And, and yet, at sometimes I've been concerned. I've reached out and said, hey, you know, take a vacation, spend some more time. How is this? You know, I'd see you at a game where our daughters are cheering uh, together. But do you do you find that you're struggling with that balance and any any recommendation for people who need to do this like you said you need to develop the habit of being socially connected but we also know there are dopamine issues that are you know released in the brain that cause us to want to get on a Facebook or an Instagram or that type of stuff I don't know why that would be any different uh, in the corporate world I don't know if that's bad or good so I'm curious to get your perspective on finding balance of uh, being such a committed and passionate and driven successful salesperson and no one went to step away it's such a great question and um, you know I definitely struggle and it is uh, the end of 2014 I in fact um, experienced something I'd never experienced before and uh, 2014 I spent it was my first year as Jill Rowley LLC Mm -hmm. um, hashtag social selling and uh, the, the, the bulk of my income as you know, the, the solopreneur of social selling was from speaking engagements. And I was traveling every week, multiple locations within a week and doing, you know, keynote presentations and um, um, wake up call workshops with sales leaders on, you know, the why of social selling, what is it? And, you know, a little snippet of how to get started. So I was on the road nonstop and, I was, you know, on big stages and in front of lots of salespeople and marketing professionals. And, you know, after each, you know, keynote, you know, I ended every keynote with, I invite you to connect and I invite you to practice the art of a LinkedIn invite, which is never send a generic invite. They're hashtag social stupid, hashtag just plain lazy, hashtag first impressions matter, hashtag every impression matters. And, um, and so I would get flooded, like I get flooded with, um, you know, these nice notes of, oh, I loved your presentation, which for me, like, love my presentation is one thing, but I listened to you. It, I had a wake-up call. I um, did this, and it produced that. Like, I actually put into practice what you said, and it helped me achieve um, success. Those are the best notes. But anyways, I would get flooded with, you know, and then at Twitter, um, lots of tweeting. I was getting invited to do all these interviews and podcasts and, you know, quoted in blogs and getting named all these lists. And it totally freaking went to my head. It was a nightmare. Like I became so consumed with my digital 
reputation and my online presence and my size of my networks. And I mean, it was, it was so bad. The good news is that um, starting December 1st, I didn't have another speaking engagement until the second week in January. Mm -hmm. And I think my body knew that it was time. And I went into the deepest depression that, you know, I personally had ever experienced. And it was, it was horrendous. Mm -hmm. It was gut wrenching. It was, um, it was so bad. And I didn't even, I didn't know, I didn't know that I was suffering from depression. I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And fortunately with the help of an, an amazingly supportive husband, after I had just been a shit wife for over a year, um, he, I think he was, he, he saw, even though I was just falling apart, he, he, he saw hope that, okay, she gets it now or she's going to get it. And, um, and, and so I got into therapy and I self-diagnosed. I had an addiction. Mm -hmm. It was so funny because I would not funny, but maybe ironic, but I would start my keynotes with, I have a confession. I'm over 40. I'm a mom of four. I, well, I'm, I'm over 40. I'm married. I catch a lot of frogs before I met my prince. I'm a mom of four. And I'm a social networking addict. I would confess my addiction, uh, my social networking addiction, I'd, and then I'd rattle off my stats, how many followers I had on Twitter, how many LinkedIn connections, how many friends I had on Facebook. And it was when I went into therapy that I realized I was an addict. And my therapist had, didn't have any experience with, you know, online social addiction and, um, and, and then actually she was going down the path of me being an alcoholic mm -hmm. and I, I know what alcoholism is. It's in my family history. My husband's ex-wife was a raging alcoholic. Like I know alcoholism and I knew that I had a dependency on alcohol and I was using it every night to unwind but I didn't feel like I was an addict. And so I, I just said, okay, I'm done. I won't take another drink. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't take another drink. And now it's been over three years since I've had a drink. Um, and can we just I pause said, there and just say congratulations and, and let you <laughs> continue? Congratulations. Yes. I actually have an app too that, that tracks the days That's awesome. and I treat it like a, like a snap, um, Snapchat streak. Right. Because like you never want to break the streak. Mm -hmm. So I've been sober 1,153 days. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's a long time. And so I, but my thing was, look, I need to prove to you. I don't, I, I, I got this, but you've got to help me. And so I went out and I found this, this Dr. Sherry Turkle, S-H-E-R-R-Y Turkle, T-U-R-K-L-E. And I spell it because if anyone is struggling with this, 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 and it is physical. And you mentioned the dopamine and I didn't, I, I, I researched all of that and I learned all about what was going on with my brain and how it was getting rewired. And, and so it, it is something I will say it's, it's like an eating disorder. Like you're never fully cured. 
Um, it is something I have to be super highly, um, you know, in tune and in check with. And, you know, my husband has a look that he gives me and a signal that he gives me when, you know, he sees my head down too long and my neck's starting to cramp because I'm not looking up from the freaking device. Right. Um, so it, 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 I mean, it's, it's hard. I feel like I've got a better handle on it because it's almost like when you come to a near death experience and you get a, you get, you get things better prioritized that happened for me. Um, I will say since I've joined Marketo, it's definitely a lot harder to manage because I am fired up. Yep. yep. I'm re-energized. Yeah. It's, it's before we move on, like I, it's so fascinating because I'm sure as I'm listening to this, you know, I've seen this in my kids. And in fact, one of my daughters never had a social media account all throughout high school. And her older sister would say to her, um, you know, you need to get on this because you'll, you'll be in the know on this stuff. And she goes, I really don't want to. And as she eventually did, um, some of the things that you talk about happen, right? The, the dopamine addiction uh, that happens. You know, I, I was a child video gamer, right? So I know all too well the um, chemicals that are released from the brain, positively, actually, um, from that level of high degree of focus. But also those chemicals can turn out to be uh, form addictions and lead to depression, right? When you're so dopamined all the time because you're so active socially, and then you back off that, that, that experience that you went through, not surprising. So it's, you know, didn't know we would get to this topic today, but it's really fascinating to see, like, in some ways, you were, you were an adult teenager, but your addiction was to connecting through business and social selling and, uh, and, and what led to that. Well, I'm, I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you spelled uh, that contact. I'll make sure we put that in the link of the program I'm going to come back and then and ask you the question. So what advice would you give to salespeople about then how to get that balance right? You know, to be top of their game and and in there. You know, it's one of the reasons I don't do the podcast Jill every single day cuz I don't want to put out so much content that I feel any sense of addiction to putting it out and looking at the response. I want to put out enough content to educate and inform uh, and not so much that I'm, I'm losing uh, the reason that I'm doing that, that, that for everybody. So what, what, how do you keep the balance? Uh, do you, or maybe you don't know the answer to that. I don't know. But I mean, you have found the balance. You were healthy. You were happy. You were still driven. Uh, but you're in so much of a better place. Yeah, I, you know, it, it really is for me, I never in my career uh, had the need or really even aspiration to ever climb the ladder. So I was perfectly fine being an individual quota carrying sales rep for all 10 years that I was at Eloqua, for the two years that I was at Salesforce. Like I never wanted to be a manager, a senior manager, a director, a senior director, a VP, an SVP. Um, I never had aspirations of being in the C-suite. Uh, so that, that just, for me, um, is always about like, serving the customer mm-hmm. and being really close to the customer because I just love, I love customer-centric stuff. And, and I find, too, with my work at Marketo, I tend to lean towards more of the uh, the customer engagement side of my responsibilities than even the the content yeah. side, right? So, so you know, Steve, our CEO, would love for me to 
um, produce more content. He wants me to produce a biweekly blog and a monthly video series. And like, I want to do those things, but when I, when I, when I then make my choices of how I spend my time, I just want to be with a customer. I want to be with the future customers. I want to be with our partners. Like I know where I like spending my time. Um, but so now, now that I somehow landed in the C-suite and I have a seat at the table, um, it's great because at Marketo, the, Steve's entire executive leadership team attends every board meeting. Mm-hmm. So literally I have a seat at the table in the boardroom, but I am hell bent and determined not to lose my seat at the dinner table. Wow. And that, that is, and when I travel, you know, I am FaceTiming my, my husband, I'm FaceTiming my daughter, I'm FaceTiming my dog, Toby. Like I stay connected to what's important and what I never want to lose again. Like I, and, and my, my 13 year old, she, she even said it to me just yesterday that I, I, I'm traveling too much. And I had promised her when we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, that I would only travel once a month. Mm -hmm. Well, I had no intention of taking this job at Marketo. I, I, when we moved here in August of 2017, Marketo, joining Marketo was not in the plan. And so when the plan altered, I actually went to her and to my husband and said, this is going to significantly alter the plan. Are you guys in? Cause I'm not doing it if you guys aren't in. So it's what, what's different now is, um, uh, you know, knowing that I, I cannot lose that seat at the dinner table. And even last night we were watching a movie together and I would get on my phone every once in a while and she'd be like, mom, I thought we were watching a movie. That's great that she calls you out on it. And, and then you have that open dialogue to do that. We have that open dialogue. And then you know what? Move the fricking phone out of the room. Yeah. Right. Any, you know, what matters is in the room with me. I don't need the phone. Uh, everything else can wait. And I've stopped making excuses about why I have to answer it right, right away. That I've stopped making those excuses. And if people have an expectation of me getting back to them right away, I need to reset that expectation because my family matters. And I think in, in the terms of advice for others and especially salespeople and not getting caught up in it, embed social into your existing, you know, sales process and sales cadence and sales routine. Um, Don't be doing social for celebrity's sake. That's not why anybody in sales should be doing social. It is, it's not for celebrity's sake. It's for, you know, finding your buyers, relating to them, engaging with them, amplifying them, it isn't for friends and followers, likes and comments and retweets and shares. It's literally for, you know, connection with your customer. And so I think, I think for the majority of, 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 of sales professionals around the world, they, they, they can pretty easily keep it in check. 
And the reason you have so many followers and so many people who stay following you is because it's not the Jill Rowley show. I mean, all of your content that you put out is not chest beating, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're sharing other really useful con- uh, content. You're, you're almost like a live audience where you're responding to someone uh, that puts something out and acknowledging and, and valuing that content. It's not just, you know, here's something from Jill. It's just, in fact, it's the opposite. I've had, you know, um, I've heard coaches say before in social selling, you know, 411, you know, four things about, you know, some something else, one thing about your company, one thing about you. And I don't even know if that's your formula because it seems like it's like 911 or 1011. You're very much about whatever... Um, what's happening out there as opposed to just what's what's happening with you let's um i want to there's two more things i want to get to uh i'll end with the question i'll give it to you now so you can spend a little bit of time thinking about it is you know you you talked about lily kate your daughter let's say you were graduating college and you're graduating with whatever degree because i'm not even sure it matters but let's topic for another time but you're graduating with, let's say with a degree in marketing because there's no degree yet in sales that i'm aware of and you're giving advice to yourself. Maybe it's a graduation speech, or maybe it's just one-on-one coaching. But it's Jill Rowley. You're talking to you, who's graduating in this time period. What advice would you give yourself? The advice I would give myself is to always be learning. And to never... Never be satisfied with how much I know because the, and and this is actually how I think one of my, my, my redeeming features, if you will, because I have many that aren't redeeming. um, And we can talk about those if you want, but uh, (laughs) it, it is this, this need to continue to learn, but, I would start to help others earlier than I probably did in my career. Mm. Um, you know, I was very focused on me, Jill Rowley, my success. And, and there's, it, it still is a habit sometimes where I, I need recognition. I crave um, feedback. I, I need to know that what I'm doing makes a difference. And, um, and so probably you ensuring that, 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 and, and I remember when I, when I heard Zig Ziglar for one of the first times and I was, this is when I used to run outside all the time. And I remember like listening to Zig Ziglar talk about, you will have everything you want in life. If you help others get what they want. Yeah. And I, I was, I was, it was so meaningful to me and it was, wow, that, that's so powerful. And I think I would remind, I would tell myself that as hellbent and determined as you are to be successful, you're, 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 you're going to get there by doing more for others. Um, and I think I would have told myself it isn't, everything isn't about your career. Uh, I I have, you know, there are things that I don't appreciate in life that 
I think a lot of people around me do enjoy because I'm even still pretty damn focused on my career. So make sure that there is more to your life than your, your, your work. Um, I think it's great advice. And, 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 and yeah, always be yeah. learning, always be more. giving, <laughs> keep things in balance. Um, I want to wrap up by saying something that I maybe have never said it in these words, but I'm going to try as best I can to tell you how much I appreciate what you have done for me, for my family, for the hundred plus employees that have been part of Demand Gen. You know, had I not gone to a form one day and submitted, uh, I'd like to see a demo of Eloqua. And I think 2000, and then you stalk me uh, using the negative term. You reached out to me <laughs> and would say, Hey, Dave, I see you're now at such and such company. Do you think you're ready for a demo? And I said, You know, it's a small startup. We don't even have a marketing department yet. Not yet, but let's keep in touch. And then when I landed at Ellie Mae, you said, I see that you've switched companies. You're now the new head of marketing there. I bet you've got a lot of responsibility uh, to drive growth. Are you ready for that demo? And I said, Yeah. And, you know, the rest is history, right? I mean, we, not only did you help me become a champion in driving growth and driving revenue using these tools, but I remember calling you that day and I said, I think I've done everything I can do here. I certainly can do more, but I want to go help other marketers discover these tools. And um, Jill, can I be your partner? I asked you, you know, would you introduce me to some of your clients? We started doing the user group together and, um, it was it was phenomenal. But Jill, you haven't just helped me and all those things. And I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely appreciate um, all of your support. Not not just introducing me to Eloqua, but you know what I'm talking about. Just all the incredible support. But there, take a moment to realize, right, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people that you have impacted their careers and their career journeys. And uh, we you you were the original you know, the, the mother of marketing automation, really, to, to so many of us. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for your drive. It came at costs at time, certainly, and I appreciate you being vulnerable today and being human. But thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, Dave, I mean, I the greatest joy for me is being able to see your success, right? It is, um, you were such an early... Uh, believer in the power of technology and data and process in marketing. And you, you know, if, if I can, I can go out and, and, and preach, but if, if I can't get someone to adopt and embrace and, and, and achieve success, then it's all like, I, I'm not a snake oil salesperson. Right. And so you, you then, you then to go on and help so many companies and marketers do what is possible to be fearless, to be freaking fearless. Like you impress me, you inspire me, you give me, you know, oxygen, you fuel you continue to fuel me when we talk about you know, what can we do to go rescue um, uh, marketers who need more help, yeah. right? Who 
don't have enough of the right resources in their internal teams to to really get the value out of um, you know now the Marketo platform that that the the that is outpacing the marketer's ability to keep up, right? Like you continue to um, be committed to helping people be better as well. So you know, God, we've had such a a great a great history and I'm just so glad that the worlds are colliding again and that we get to work together in what I call, you know, MarTech 2.0. Yeah. We, we, we get to come back. I get to come back. You never left. I get to come back after a five year hiatus focusing on sales and, uh, and, and I get to come back and, and buddy up with you again and do some really cool shit together. Absolutely. Well, welcome back, Jill. It is good to be working together again, and I've always enjoyed seeing you speak. I think we're going to wrap it up. I loved what you said about how small the world is. Um, Unfortunately, when there's tragedies like 9-11 and others, that's when you really realize, like, oh, you knew that person? You knew this person? Oh, you connect that person? That's when you realize, unfortunately, how small the world is. And so your advice about always be connecting and building your network um, is is one of those just key, key, make sure you follow that advice that Jill has shared because the bigger your network, the more it helps you in life in so many ways, whether it's finding a good doctor for something or uh, whatever might you need in life or, as you said, whatever you can give to your network. Um, any closing thoughts? I love catching up with you, Dave. I... Um, invite people to engage with me in social. So on LinkedIn or Twitter, certainly if you want to see pictures of my doggy, you can friend me on Facebook. Um, but uh, I'm all about the engagement, right? Like it isn't just the, the, the extra connection in the network. It's let's, let's engage. Um, and, and I just, I encourage people to, to really be their authentic selves and to be more vulnerable than they may have been in the past, because it's through my vulnerability that I, I feel like I'm able to help people more because I'm, I'm more honest about who I really am and all, all the flaws that I, that I actually have and, and will continue to have. So be authentic. Be and you're human. We're all human. Well, thank you, Jill. Well, that's going to do it. That was a fun episode. We went to some places I didn't think we'd get to, but it was good. And I think if people are struggling themselves with social addiction or have family members or friends, you've given a resource to uh, connect with. So thank you for doing that as well. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Look forward to having you guys tune in every time, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 